Welcome to the launch of Office Theology Podcast, or if you're an Office fan, the Lanch Party, uh, with special guest Landon McDonald. We are tackling the hot take on reading and studying the whole Bible. Uh, but we chat a little bit before we started recording, but we need to debunk this long-term myth around this Instagram. You are not the admin of it. Yeah, I keep having people message me and I like the account and I don't, I, I think it's great. And I think that the, the jokes you make are really funny. So A, well done. Thank you, sir. And they're also creative because there's kind of like, I would say kind of like there's, there's ways of making meme accounts that are like pretty obvious and that's totally fine, but that, that doesn't make me laugh. And so it's just like, whatever. And so maybe it's because it's my sense of humor or something. I don't know, but I've had like a bunch of people message me and be like, Hey, th this is your account. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, but I love that you think that I'm behind it. Yeah. Plot twist. He's on the first episode of the podcast though. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm interviewing myself. Yes. Exactly how it works with AI. So, um, exactly. So just a little intro about you. Uh, you're the lead teaching pastor, right? At Mission Community Church in Arizona. That's right. That's right. And then I actually got first introduced to you from Theos U, your course on Leviticus, which oh. by the way is incredible. And I've recommended to everybody. Everybody says, I hate Leviticus. I'm like, you just haven't been taught it properly yet. Uh, um, and you also have a wonderful YouTube page, right? That covers tons of topics. Mm -hmm. um, so make sure you go check that out. Get those subs to a million. Wow. That would be One, cool. Yeah. That would All, be cool. Even though I have nowhere close to that in followers. So it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is there any anything else that, that people should know about you? Um, no. Thank uh thank you for having me. Um no, I mean I think you I think you covered it. I'm uh Honored to be here. Massive, massive office fan. And my my claim to my claim to fame with the office is because I was a teenager and the show was coming out and I had some friends that were older that were cooler than me. They were telling me about the British office when mm. the American office didn't exist. Whoa. And so I hadn't seen it, but when I saw that the American one was coming out, I was like, okay, I have to watch this. So I watched the first episode of The Office live on television. Whoa. And that's like my my story that I love to share because it was wasn't even really popular at that time. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I was like fifteen or sixteen, and yeah. I was like, this show is amazing. Yeah. Little did you know, you were watching the genesis of history. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And it seemed very slight, and you see that in season one. It seemed very, and I love I love season one. I think it's underrated, but it seemed very slight. Mm -hmm. and, and it grew into this thing that was just yep. a monolith. I mean, by the time yep. it was, by the time I was in college, there was watch parties in every dorm. Like, yeah. oh yeah. Yep. I think we're, I think we're roughly on the same age. So it's about the same for me as well. Yeah. But yeah, office is wonderful. What better uh, thing to do than to merge the two? Uh, I started <laughs> this account simply because I watched and I'm probably at an over, I watched too much office and I love the Bible. And I'm like watching the office. I'm like, this reminds me of this story. And then I yeah. looked on Instagram and I'm like, why has nobody really done this yet? Yes. Thus, Isaiah six moment. Here I am, Lord, send me, you know, yeah. just the, a response. That's right. And the, the angels that Isaiah saw yeah. in I, Isaiah six, that's what you saw. But the angels yeah. were Kevin, Kevin Malone. 
and Oscar Martinez. That's and- right. <laughs> Oscar Martinez. And with the senator. Oh, uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, yeah, so we are here to discuss... Um, if you have not been to my page or seen the hot takes that we do, um, these were kind of born out of the sense of like, I like memes. I think they're funny. I like doing it. But honestly, it probably came a lot from I really care about people just being as a pastor and Christian. But also, I was really curious um, if people know why they believe what they do. Like, yes. that's that's just a really big question mark that I have. And so I was like, you know what? No one knows who I am. Might as well stir the pot a little bit and have people get mad at a random uh, anonymous account. It's funnier. So it, it is, it's yes. funnier that way. Well done. 100%. And so I uh, started asking these different questions, these big hot topics. Um, and then kind of, as Kevin would say, everybody gets to know each other in the pot, undercook the onions. And so it started... Uh, kind of turning to this and then people recommending stuff. And so you're coming in on one that you said you're really passionate about. And that is the reading and studying of the whole entire Bible, not just certain portions. Right? That's right. That's right. Okay. So we're going to jump into a few weeks ago. We did this hot take. Um, and this is, these are the polls and the the numbers and the percentage breakdown of the questions I asked. First was, um, have you read through the whole Bible? said yes, uh, 42% said no, which I, I was a little surprised. I honestly, if maybe a little pessimist in me, I thought those would be reversed a little bit. Um, yeah, Yeah. but maybe just because it was about 3000 people. So maybe if there was more people, we'd see more than that. But, um, and this, this one was interesting. Do you think it's important to read and study the whole Bible? I know 98% said yes, but the 2% that said no, uh, being an admin, you're able to see who it was. And two of the people go to the church I pastor at. And I was like, <laughs> they're just dunking on no. you. Dude. And they don't know I run the account either. It's, <laughs> so it's even, even funny. It's a real response. Yeah. Because now I'm like, do I awkwardly like, do I breach the, 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 the being anonymous and talk with these people or do I slowly just get it into the, my next sermon? How important it is to read the whole Bible? <laughs> what well, do I do after the service? You're just like, the Lord is speaking to me and, uh, yes. Obadiah is important. hundred uh, percent. I have a word for you. It's fun. <laughs> oh man. So that, I thought that was really funny. I told my wife that she goes, well, Time to disciple. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the third one was, do you find the, uh, it difficult to understand the Bible as a whole? And that, I was trying to get at the macro story of the Bible. Yeah. Um, most said yes, but I'd say most of the people said some of it, which was to be expected. But this was kind of a leading into my last question is, are there some books you don't know why they're in the Bible? And so first, we'll go uh, top five, five through one. The first is Ezekiel. Um, that was like the fifth most voted book. Why do you think people would say Ezekiel? Um, uh, I'm actually teaching through Ezekiel right now, um, on Thursday nights at my church. Um, we're, we're through about a quarter of the book. It's going to take maybe like 30 weeks. So I, I'm very, oh, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I chose it because I think to answer your question, I think the reason why people wrote that is it has the least amount of it's so it's in the least read section of the Bible, which is the prophet. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it has of the major prophets. Daniel has the stories that people like, and Isaiah and Jeremiah have the promises that people like. Mm -hmm. And so I think Ezekiel really does just get left out. From my perspective, it's easily the most interesting. It's one of the most interesting books in the whole Bible with all the performance yeah. art and everything. So I am pretty surprised to see it there, but mostly just because I thought that people who wouldn't know why it's in the Bible wouldn't even know that it was in the Bible. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Usually people just know the Valley of Dry Bones story. Totally. Right? Totally. Yeah. And then they're in like chapter four of condemnations on Egypt. And they're like, what is going on? Like, yeah. All right, let me go back to genealogy. I'll just go back to that instead. Yeah. That's interesting. That's cool that you're, uh, that's funny. So you're saying they're upgrading in their mind to genealogy. They're like, yeah. okay, let's go back to something that at least I understand yeah. why I don't like. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. This is just seems odd. Uh, <laughs> Jove is the fourth. Why do you think that is? That's very surprising to me. Very surprising to me. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, it's really surprising to me. I would have, I, if I, if you would have asked me what I thought, because I thank you for sending me the show notes. I have those here. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm not hearing this for the first time, obviously for the yeah. listeners. But I, um, I would have thought that Job wouldn't be in there. I would have mm -hmm. thought it would have been like Jude and... The, and the minor and the minor prophets yeah. outside oh, yeah. Nahum, all exactly. those. that's what I would have that's what I would have thought I they think. probably don't know those are in there though yeah exactly so then it's like <laughs> it's like some sort of like question bias or something yeah I mean I think yeah. I do think job is like very tedious to read for the average person because they get pitched mm -hmm. this idea that the first two chapters are the whole book yeah so then they read the first two chapters and they're like that's amazing like that is wild mm -hmm. that story like wow and then it's like this stunning diatribe. I, I think it's brilliant. Like, I think it's yeah. brilliant. I think it should be a play. I want to make it into a play um, oh, because it's all there. Like it's yeah. all there. And if you had good actors doing yeah. that, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I was, I, I just to answer your question. I I'm pretty, I'm pretty surprised that it was in there. Were you mm -hmm. surprised to see it in there as a pastor? I was, I was, um, my guess would be, um, people don't like the idea or wrestling with the conversation between Satan and God in the beginning or, or God allowing Satan. Like maybe they have, I would say some people have the moral dilemma of like, I don't know what to do with this book. And there's lots of suffering and there's lots of anguish and yeah. and little, and I bet a lot of people don't even know there's 42 chapters. Yeah. And, totally. and Joe, there's not, there's not just two, like you were mentioning. Um, but I think for me, I was really surprised, but I was trying to think, I'm like, people understand maybe the macro story of Job, but don't really like to dig into the details of it. Yeah. It's gotta be it. Yeah. It's totally it. Nailed it. Uh, third was Leviticus, which hopefully, which probably breaks your heart a little bit, or maybe gets you excited, um, about, uh, having here your course plug. Once again, I already did that before. But I was going through the whole catalog of Theos U and I'm like, Leviticus, I've only ever read it when it was in my like reading plan. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I've never like, uh, not, not never, but like took time to break down Leviticus and the importance totally. of it. So does that surprise you that Leviticus is on this list? No, it surprises me that it's not number one. Cause it's like a pun. It's like, there's a lot of really funny jokes about it and mm -hmm good memes and stuff like that. No, it doesn't surprise me at all. I think um, 
to, to me, that probably is the book that the most people don't understand why it's in the Bible. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, uh, yeah. I love, I love teaching it. I love seeing the light bulb go on. Um, mm-hmm. it's very, very satisfying and exciting as a, a person, as a person who loves to teach. Yeah. And it also seems like that's the book that people use, um, to invalidate the old Testament. Well, you don't follow X, Y, Z. They say all these different laws, not knowing the different variations of them and the purpose of the book. You're so right. It is like for, it is one of the most referenced by like random politicians, atheists, people who are, I think, very correctly um, poking holes in a certain segment of Christians and their their addiction to acting like it's super obvious which parts of the Bible you're supposed to obey. And then mm-hmm. they just get, I think, I think they get intellectually dunked on. And I, I oh, yeah. often am, I'm in favor of the people that I don't agree with because I think that the point they're making is correct, yes. which is it is, it isn't as simple as you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to use this. It's like, Hey, I'm going to hit you with this hammer. Well, I'm going to hit you with a different hammer and you're not going to like know what to do with this. Yeah. 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 Uh, second one was revelation. Um, does that one surprise you? It really surprises me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's like, I mean, you tell me in your context, I feel like people love revelation. They're obsessed mm-hmm. with it. They mm-hmm. want, they're obsessed with it. Like people are obsessed with true crime podcasts. And I mean that in, in the most positive way, like they yeah. are obsessed with hearing as many yeah. takes as possible. Yeah. And you know, yeah. And I'd probably agree for the context I'm in as well. Um, and then I, I always have to remember the pool that I'm getting a temperature from is from all over the world. And so it's yeah. interesting to have that, but it's kind of like, I'm like, it's fascinating, but I guess the, to understand the questions, do you, you wonder why that's in there? Cause it's prophetic, you know, it's, it's what's to come. And that's why I'm like, this is where uh, probably Chris Palmer would come in with his dissertation and all this stuff. And, really expound upon this. Um, But yeah, Revelation surprised me. Uh, The funniest one is number one is Song of Songs. Yes. Does that that one surprise you? That is number one? Not not at all. If people were taught, um, hey, this book is about Jesus, which which I was taught as a kid and uh, by some of my teachers at my Christian school, yeah. And I read Song of Solomon and they're like, oh, it's about Jesus. And I'm like, good Lord, I hope not. You're like, I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought I was sinning when I read that book as an 11 year old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I just listened to the, uh, preach through preaching through the whole Bible, um, mm-hmm. with Chris and Nathan and they just went through this. Have you heard that one yet? It was, no, they did. They did really, something on song of songs. Yeah. It was really funny because Nathan's like, Chris, you can't read this yet. You're not married. Yes, exactly. That's kind of like the view of it, right? Like it's this awkward, really uh, intimate book that you're not really sure what to do with. And it's talking about um, fruit in awkward ways. And, (laughs) but I, 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 when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense to me. Oh, absolutely. Um, And uh, it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a wild collection of content. And if you are, if you do have like an overly puritanical view of sexuality, it will confront that viewpoint that you have, I think appropriately and in a good way. Someone's asked, someone has been asking me to um, help them on their YouTube channel. And I was meeting with them yesterday. We're looking through the different content they had. 
And then there was a comparison channel. We're looking through the content they had and the channel had this, uh, this video about sexuality, about if a specific sex act was okay. Mm. And so I was like, I got to watch what these people say about this. So I watched it and the wife was answering like in the affirmative, like this sex act is great. And the husband was just smiling, looking at her. And I was like, this is so funny. I, <laughs> I love Christians sometimes. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, this is the content we need to put out today. But I, I did think it was great. Yeah. So what do you think about the, the ref, just some general reflections on the percentages, breakdowns of all those um, stats? What are your thoughts yeah, on that? I think um, I have a general take on reading through the whole Bible once, um, which is that it Christianity is possibly, from the lens of fandom, Christianity is possibly the only thing, culture, subculture, whatever you want to call it, in the world that doesn't have like a pre-written or unwritten expectation that people would at the very least have seen or read all the material. Mm. Um, and so like there, there, there isn't a, a Star Wars universe yeah. culture, subculture you could go to or the office. The office yeah. is how I was trying to make that point to people is yep. if you went to like an office fan event and you hadn't seen it all, they wouldn't make fun of you. They would just be like, Oh dude, you got to watch it. Like, yeah. Even after Michael leaves, there's like still good stuff. Like it's like a common Amen. thing. Like they would be like, just watch it. Like it, yeah. do you know what I mean? And the fact that that expectation doesn't exist in Christianity hmm. is very confusing to me. Yeah. I don't understand it. And I don't understand the mentality of perhaps the mentality behind that is, lowering expectations to allow more people to feel comfortable or something, even if it wouldn't mm. be said that succinctly. And that doesn't make sense to me Yeah, because it's like, dude, like this is ancient near Eastern Hebrew text and it is insane. Like yeah. just from the perspective of liking things, I love, yeah. I love liking things. I'm like, dude, mm. like let's dive in. This yeah. is wild content. Like, yeah. You like Lord of the Rings, like you like you like Elvish, like mm -hmm. let's do it, dude, because this is yeah. wacky stuff. So that would be kind of my general take on that. Yeah, yeah. So your general take is like you feel like there's not the same intensity as there is in like pop culture stuff. Is that yeah, what you're kind of referencing as well? I think typically it's presented to people as you should do this. Okay, mm. okay. But I'm looking at it from the other angle. I'm looking at the why don't we expect that? Not like shaming people who haven't read the Bible, but why yeah. isn't there an expectation that you would have? Why does that not exist? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's absolutely spot on. And I think that's the uh, the piece. Oh, man, I'm on the spot trying to remember these statistics. So I'll use generality, generalities, but it's uh, it was like a Barna research talking about how many quote people that would identify as Christians have a biblical worldview. And it was like shockingly low. Like, but then That's even so on top of that, and even on top of that, um, I'll have to find it and I'll send it to you. But as well as it, then it went even deeper talking about pastors that have a biblical worldview was low as well. And I'm like, how is, how is that possible? Do they give the but, specifics on like what were the indicators of a biblical worldview? Yes. And so, um, yeah, I'll send that to you, that link to you in a few moments and I'll put it 
in the notes below and in the show notes as well. So whoever's listening, super interested, I'll make sure to put that down there. Um, interesting. Yeah. And so I read that, um, one of the other pastors on staff was showing me that and reading. I was like, oh my gosh, like there's a, there's an issue here and it's, and it's not just biblical literacy, but it's a biblical worldview as well. And then even that term biblical worldview can get very messy depending on what you deem to be biblically quote relevant now opposed to then. And so it's just a messy term even to use because we know how much, um, difference can come with that, with those definitions, but that's very interesting. Yeah, I agree with your point 100%. This is the thing that I love about Catholicism is, you know, if you went, if if you went into a Catholic church, and I'm not saying every Catholic church is like this. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in general, if you went into a Catholic church and said, I'm pro-abortion, like I'm pro-choice, yeah. The general response you would get is that's not the viewpoint of this church. And yeah. the the hyper individualized American or or not American, but but the hyper individualization of, of of modernity has created in people this this weird ability to be like, yeah, I'm a part of this, but like I, I don't agree with this part. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying people shouldn't have differing viewpoints. Certainly on the end times and things, everyone should have differing viewpoints. We don't yeah. really know exactly what's going to happen. That being said, there are like baseline understandings of what it means to have a, a Christian worldview. And I yeah. I love that about Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah. That at some level, there's there's an agreed upon what we're going to do and how we're going to operate. Um, and this is interesting because this is a semi-plug for the next episode. So I grew up very strict Mormon, um, like hardcore Mormon. And so my whole, my whole next episode is breaking down the differences between Mormonism and Christianity. And the same thing about that, the same thing about that though is, and I, and I would be, I would be a fool to not at least give credit where credit is due in some areas. When someone says, I'm a Mormon. No one says what type of Mormon because there's not different factions. When someone says, well, what does the church believe as this? They're speaking on behalf of everybody. This is how we roll as a quote religion. Um, But anyways, and yeah, going into that. So being raised in that, it's really interesting when I, because I was super strict Mormon, then I was like outright rejecting God for a long time. And then I found the true Jesus, which if you have issue with that statement, true Jesus, listen to the next episode um, to finding who Jesus really is. I had a hard time dealing with a lot of people that said they were something, but they didn't really know why they didn't really know what they believe. They didn't really have um, a stand or like people to stand with. Does that make sense? It really does. And I love it. And I have a ton, I'm, I'm a pastor in Arizona. Uh, I know you mentioned that. And um, there's a ton of Mormons out around here, like a a staggering amount of Mormons and Mormon churches. And I, um, I'll have to check out that next episode because I agree with that. And I, I, there was a guy who uh, uh, converted to Christianity and I was talking with him and he said that same thing. He said, you know, I, it was not the same Jesus. Mm-hmm. That was my theological viewpoint, so I was mm-hmm. really happy that 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 he said that because that yeah that that that's my perception of it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll have to check that out. That sounds interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, that even kind of goes into this biblical literacy conversation, and I'm kind of bleeding into this one, maybe teasing it in a good way. But like, I think it was like 
I think a lot of people vote on this around four to 5,000 people, like 68% of professing Orthodox Christians said they would not be able to point out the difference biblically, how they're different. And so I'm like, as a pastor, I'm like, I feel more overwhelmed now having this account, you know, but I have to kind of manage that and realize I have people here in my flock that I need to help shepherd and stuff like that. But anyways, so that kind of was like a little rabbit trail off of a biblical literacy and biblical view. But um, these are some of the questions that uh, people submitted um, about just studying the whole, the Bible as a whole, the big, I saw a few times in there. How do I discern between descriptive and prescriptive reading of scripture? What would you say to that person? Um, I think like t- just taking a whole step back and saying um, the Bible is a story about God. Start there. And the message and aim of the Bible is not that you would know the Bible, but that you would know the author of the Bible. Mm. Yes. And then after that, having a deep encounter with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit personally, mm-hmm. then you build off of that. And there are so many yeah. people that are like the church in Acts 19. They love God, but they have not had a spiritual experience with God. And so they mm. are building a mental kingdom of God through their brain and body, and it doesn't work. Mm. Yeah. So that, then how do you choose mm-hmm. between descriptive and prescriptive? Um, you don't, um, you read the church fathers and you read yeah. the people that have gone before you and you, you don't have to figure it out. Um, and you yeah. shouldn't feel the weight of that responsibility. Um, yeah. I always laugh because I always laugh when people are like, we obey the whole Bible here. Um, because whenever they do that, I just like lean in for a kiss um, <laughs> to the guy who says that. And the guy's like really weirded out. And I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. It just, I, I thought. Where's my holy kiss? <laughs> Come on. You said you obey the whole Bi- Bible. You meant also the part that says greet the brothers of the holy kiss. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So I think that. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that viewpoint is helpful. Yeah. I think that's really good. And I, th- what um, I will say I feel like the most of the time I'm faced with this question is when someone wants to discredit obeying God's word. And I feel yeah. like that's, that's kind of been the biggest piece that it comes up is like, Oh, well that was de- that was uh, descriptive of the time, but not prescriptive for the church now. And I'm like, then I asked the question, I'm like, well, how'd you come to that conclusion? And it's usually self imposing authority over what is descriptive and prescriptive. So I love what you said is um, it was, I heard humility um, kind of threaded through your, your response, not just in allowing the spirit of God to direct and lead you into all truth as he does, but um, that you don't have to figure this out. And the world has not been struggling. The Christian faith has not been struggling to figure this out until you got here. Now you need to figure this out, but there are people Rightfully so, a lot smarter and a lot more brilliant that have walked through this that are that are really helpful. Yes, yes, and amen. Um, this, these next two questions are kind of uh, pretty similar, but how do I see grace in the Old Testament when God seems to deal with the Israelites so harshly? 
Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't deal with them harshly. Um, Amen. <laughs> that's not true. Um, yeah. Over the course of a thousand years, he gives them h- hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chances. Yeah. He rewards with grace individuals that have behaved well and does not, you know, Rahab, you know, mm-hmm. a variety of people that receive so much grace from God. Yeah. In the book of Ezekiel, when God is justifiably condemning the people of Israel after a thousand years, A, he still treats Ezekiel um, with love. B, yeah. um, God has given the people of Israel an additional chance to avoid mm-hmm. uh, uh, captivity. Uh, yeah. He's told them repeatedly that, that he is going to do that. Um, and then after he does that, he prophesies to them in chapter nine about the man dressed in linen, putting crosses on people's heads. And mm. that is a promise of redemption. It is so clear. Yeah. It is so clear that uh, commentators call it the gospel according to Ezekiel. Mm. Uh, and it is so clear that Jewish people who do not believe in Jesus um, before Jesus said that that passage was about the Messiah and after Jesus said that it wasn't because it was so obviously about Jesus that they had to figure out how to mold it into their, their faith system. And in chapter 11, he promises the Holy Spirit. Then mm. the people go into captivity and he gives Ezekiel a vision of heaven yeah. um, to bless the people that are justifiably mm. in captivity justifiably kicked out of their country. He gives them just a vision, just a glorious vision. So when I read stuff like that, and that's one of the most aggressive books in the whole Bible. So that's why I'm using that as an example. I'm also teaching it right now, like I mentioned. So uh, I don't see it like that. Um, I I don't see it like that. And I don't see God behaving differently. Um, That being said, God can do whatever he wants. So God doesn't have to answer to our current 2023 sense of justice. He doesn't have to answer to anything. Every single thing we hold up to God um, is, you know, some way that we perceive life and reality. And God doesn't have to fit into any of those things. And I do sometimes think that God has intentionally broken many of those boxes. I think it's very obvious that Jesus was so offensive to the mm. religious people. Um, yeah. Perhaps the question is, why isn't the New Testament more offensive? Um, mm. Because I think it should be. And I think it's a good sign when it isn't, because I think that it, it isn't to wonderful, righteous Christians who love God, and they've chosen to reorient their entire life around the truth of the Bible, not yeah. around a modern or postmodern sensibility of right and wrong. Um, yeah. And so I think so many Christians are so wonderfully unoffended by the New Testament and by God mm. in the New Testament. I think that's brilliant. And mm. I think that should be applied to the Old Testament as well. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because even when you're talking about how patient and gracious, gracious God is, and he gives ample warning over and over again, it would almost be like, um, God not following through on his promise to, to do what he said he would do. And to me, that's, that's a character piece, you know? Um, and 
to be fair, I edited the show notes after I sent them to you. I put harshly in quotes because I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think he is dealing with them harshly. I think he's dealing with them justly. And like, just like he said, he would, I think a lot of people have, uh, trouble with, um, with, um, how God works in the old Testament. Uh, cause a lot of people don't like coming face to face with the consequences of their choices and rebellion. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And it's no different now. It's, it's just that they were saved by faith and what was to come, uh, mm-hmm. is what the new Testament teaches. And we are saved yeah. by grace through faith yeah. in the one who has come and is still here. Yeah. Additionally to that, I, I see memes making fun of Christians and I agree with some of them. Like I'll see a Christian say, God doesn't believe in cancel culture because they're trying to make some cultural political point. Mm-hmm. And a person below them will be like, God literally canceled the entire world in the flood. And I think that the, the person who's making fun of the Christian is correct. Like yeah. I think that people really oversimplify parts of the Bible to meet or match a current political point, And they're just creating mm-hmm. anachronisms that don't benefit anyone and don't do anything like, yeah. and it's funny. And it's yeah. when, when, when atheists are dunking on Christians, I do, yeah. I do think it's funny. Like, yeah. And you like allow this to put a spark in you to learn and to grow into, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next question, I feel like you kind of answered, but if there's any more that you have on it, is why does God seem so different in Old Testament versus the New? Yeah, He isn't Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus and the way that Jesus um, behaves according to the wishes of the Father on the mission of the Father does seem different, but the Holy Spirit also performs different, a different role in, in the triune Godhead. So, um, let's, let's flip the question on its head and say, okay, so does the role, does the role of God, the father and in the old Testament and God, the son seem different? Uh, yes. Uh, because mm-hmm. they are uh, performing different portions of uh, the eternal holy will of God. Mm-hmm. Um, does the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament perform different functions than God the Father mm-hmm. in the New Testament? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So if people are only holding up kind of a 2D image of God, the father in the old Testament and a 2d image of Christ in the new Testament. And then they're like, why is this not exactly the same? Sure. Yeah. I agree Mm -hmm. with that. I agree with that. And I think that a further, a deeper understanding of the narrative of scripture and a deeper surrender to the fact that God chooses to act in different ways and different times. Mm -hmm. I'm not a dispensationalist, but I do believe, I do believe in the covenants. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously. And so hopefully, hopefully that would help a little bit for somebody, yeah. you know, it's a good, it's good. question. It's a good yeah. question. Yeah. And something at some point we will have to wrestle through that question in your faith. You'll have to like, look at this and either, uh, God's an heir or I'm an heir. I usually like to lean on the second one. <laughs> I need a better understanding. Um, so good. So, so- where do I find cultural context for the Bible if it doesn't give any? What would you say to that person? Trying to understand the cultural context and help bring clarity to what scripture says. It's a really good question. 
I love the question. So whoever asked it, thank you for asking that. It's a brilliant question. And it brings about um, one of the, let me take one step back. So it was a light bulb moment for me when I understood that the way Catholics view communion and uh, the way Pentecostals view um, power and miracles Mm -hmm. and the way that um, a certain segment of uh, conservative Christians view the Bible are all very similar. They are mm-hmm. things that are taught very clearly in the Bible. And then perhaps if you're open to it, they mm-hmm. elevate a thing, maybe one half step above what the Bible says it is. Yeah. Um, so that would be like the infallibility versus inerrancy conversation. Mm-hmm. I believe in inerrancy. So yeah. I'm not saying anything against that. I'm just saying like yeah. that. Okay. So then let's, let's, Take that and then let's go back into um, the um, question, which is some people that really, really, really believe in inerrancy teach a doctrine called the perspicuity of scripture, which is that you don't need anything other than the Bible to understand the Bible. And Mm. that is a that is not a good doctrine. It is not a helpful doctrine, even though a lot of people that I love believe in it. Yeah. It is true as far as you don't need anything other than the Bible to come to a saving faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Of course, mm-hmm. you don't even need the Bible for that. God can reveal himself to people in dreams. We've all heard these stunning stories from overseas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't need anything other than the Bible to become a Christian. But to understand the Bible, you, of course, need to understand things about culture. Mm-hmm. Like there's this part in the book of Acts where there's that that girl who's prophesying and Paul is getting really irritated. And I love that yeah. passage because I just love that he gets irritated with it because yeah. it just sounds like an irritating thing to have someone yelling in your ear. Relatable. To, to, yeah, it's relatable. Yeah. Um, and so uh, in English, it is translated, uh, she had a spirit of divination. Uh, it's, it's not a good translation because that's not what it says in Greek. It's, okay. In Greek, it says she has the spirit of Python, which mm. is a Greek... Uh, some sort of God um, from that mm. time. And um, it's a it's a bad translation. Um, it, it kind of dumbs down um, the idea of the text. There's yeah. no chance that you can understand what that means without knowing things about culture. Yeah. Because, so, like, yeah. What is that? What is Python? Like, mm-hmm. what is that? So yeah. do you need to understand that to be saved? Of course not. But no. people yeah. who are saved want to understand that. Yeah. So all of that pretext thank you for the grace to share that pretext that is important to me where do you find the cultural context for the bible in really good uh commentaries and i would recommend reading commentaries by both by people that you agree and don't agree with on various topics so if you're a dispensationalist don't only read dispensationalist um commentaries i i am not a dispensationalist um, I'm not a five point Calvinist, but I read commentaries by those people. There's a yep. lot of good content in those. Yeah. Like I am not a cessationist, yeah. but I have a MacArthur study Bible. Like yeah. I, I learned a lot from it. I learned a yeah. lot from it and there's mm-hmm. wonderful content in a lot yeah. of those things. And so that is where you get that. And if you're just starting, get a really good study Bible, get a really good yeah. like ESV study Bible is great yep. and yep. get like a really good, um, I'm looking on my shelf right now. Get a really good. good mini Bible commentary. Like this one's great 
for a beginner. This is the yeah. Sailhammer NIV Compact Bible Commentary. It's fantastic. And it is really a miniature full Bible commentary. And um, the, guy, the guy's brilliant. So, you know, something like that. Yeah. So this kind of goes back to your fandom comment. Like if like you become like a fan of scripture and all around it. And, um, and this is always my challenge. People are like, oh, I just don't have the time. I'm like, bull, you do too. Cause you do it in a lots of other, you can't tell me, you know, that much about your fantasy football league and all the football teams and tell me you don't have the capacity to study at this level. You're so um, right. You're, yeah. you're one, you're 100 right because we, we all make time for whatever we want to make time for yeah if you don't have time for any hobbies then let's let's rethink your life because you need to <laughs> yeah. have hobbies to be a healthy person 100 um that's good and th the question shouldn't be i don't i don't have time the question should be why is it that you are stating that you believe that god wrote this book and yet you don't make time for it because there is something Oof. missing there. Yeah. There's missing there. And I don't think the missing piece is effort. Yeah. It's always pitched as like effort. Try harder. Like what if you were a Christian, like an Olympian was an Olympian. And I just don't believe that. I don't think that that's a good way to put pressure on people. It's certainly not what you're saying. And so I'm like, what is it that you don't believe? Because if God wrote you a note on a piece of paper and slipped it under your door, you would do nothing before you read it. And if the Bible is saying that it is a collection of things like that, albeit yeah. less personal, where's the missing piece there? And I think that is the place to, for people to kind of chew on and think. Yeah. Oof. Let's do an altar call after that one. Sheesh. Yes. Yes, come forward. We will pray I for see, you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand in the corner. <laughs> and uh, <But> look. <laughs> yeah, everybody's head jokes. Closed, heads closed, eyes are bowed. Yeah, don't that's right. Look, don't look around. Nobody's looking around. Yeah. But you're definitely going to live for Christ at your school, even though you're embarrassed to say you want to follow Christ at a church. <laughs> Oh, the, the years and years of pastoring <laughs> coming out right there. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Um, why are genealogies in the Bible? Um, because they are a part of the covenants. Um, they're a part of fulfilling the information that's needed. You know, why are credits mm -hmm. in a movie? Um, yeah. because it's a part of what's needed to express something. I don't read the credits in a movie and I, I don't read the genealogies. Mm -hmm. um, when I, if I'm reading through the Bible, I just skip them. People are baffled by that. And I'm like, well, it's an informational text. You know, I don't yeah. like go take a cookbook off my shelf and read it and like a novel and be like, this is so boring. It isn't what it's there for. It isn't yeah. what it's for. So yeah. like, it's incredible. The whole point is God said generations ago that Jesus was coming through these lines and he actually did. Here's yeah. the proof. Yep. Yeah. Well, Amen. Uh, I preached on table of nations, Genesis 10. Oof. Oof. My guy. Um, That's went, how you do it. And I was like, <laughs> let's go. You know, I got I was like, I was like <laughs> Lord, what, what is in here? What is in here? But it was cool because I think it it allowed a dependency on the spirit like I've never had before. Because I'm like, there's 70 nations in here. 
and maybe a sentence or two tops of, of outside of just names. But it was cool because it was kind of what you said. I feel like this is just recording the faithfulness of God fulfilling his covenant through his people and nations. Like Absolutely. that's why it matters. Absolutely. Is, yeah. Like take, uh, you know, take first Corinthians and show it to Job. He'd be like, what is this? <laughs> what on earth is this? You know? Yeah. What is this? Take, take, uh, take, take the, take the book of revelation to heaven. You're going to be like, we don't, we don't need this anymore. We're experiencing this. I, I don't yes. mean that pejoratively about the Bible. I'm just trying to express a point. Yeah. yeah. No, well said. Um, this last question is when or uh, do I read myself in quotes into the text? Yeah. What a great question. What a gr- man. These are good questions. I know. Um, um, I always start with. Um, what does this say about God? Um, mm-hmm. And it should be satisfactory in a personal quiet time or devotional time or Bible reading time to have learned something about God. And that should in our hearts and minds be like, wow, that was great. We shouldn't have to learn a piece of information about ourselves. Yeah. Sometimes people have offered me criticism of my sermons and said, but what am I supposed to do? And yeah. I'm like, thing you're supposed to do is believe because that Mm. is the application of many, many, many chapters of scripture. There isn't always like a different way to like live my life. Mm -hmm. There are things that are about belief. That being said, I do think that there are personal applications all throughout scripture. And Mm -hmm. I think if you're first pursuing knowledge and intimacy with God, I think there's a lot of brilliant um, I wouldn't really think about it like when do I or when do I not yeah, I agree. add myself into the text. I, I probably wouldn't think through it through that lens. Um, mm-hmm. I would just read it and learn about God. And then I would mm-hmm. – a lot of passages in the Old Testament, the personal application is people are sinful. People are destructive. People don't do the things they say they're going to do. They walk away from God. And I do think that that is a good personal application in 2023 for anyone. And um, I hope that helps. I mean, if you are at like a more conservative, big B Bible church, I love churches like that. I think they're brilliant. But if Mm -hmm. you're at a church like that, you're probably more around people that are like, you know, Oh, really? You're going to quote Jeremiah 29, 11. So when, when was it that you were in the Babylonian exile? I didn't know you were there for seven years. Which is fine. That being said, those same people, if you said your righteousness is as filthy rags, they would immediately be very comfortable, typically being like, great, that applies to us right now. And so I would offer up the idea to that type of Christian. Why is it? that positive promises in the Old Testament are often pitched as non-applicable and negative condemnations are often pitched as completely applicable. What, what is that disparity and why does that disparity exist? Because I think that that's a good thing for people to think about because mm-hmm. either both of them apply or neither of them do. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Yes, copy and paste. Um, copy and paste. This, this one is from a subscriber question. Um, they wanted to ask you this specific question. Is there a pitfall in creating an idol of the Bible itself 
uh, where we can worship a book more than the one it points to. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Look at the Pharisees. To become mm-hmm. a Pharisee, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. They had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy memorized. Mm-hmm. And they Jesus are- wrote them too. You know the scriptures, but you don't realize they point to me. <laughs> That's it. My alarm's going off. Sorry. That yeah. is that is exactly the point I was going to make. I love that you saw it the same way as that. Mm-hmm. They had the books memorized and they couldn't see that God was standing right in front of them. And there are absolutely people. I wrote on my Instagram one time, if you like the Bible more, if you love the Bible more than people, you're disobeying the Bible and people lost their mind. (laughs) There was a couple people that were really upset over that. And I was like, Oh man, I love you. Like you're proving the point. Mm -hmm. You're proving the point. Yeah. And there are people who every single time the Bible says word, they're like the Bible, but that isn't, that isn't what it's saying. A yeah. lot of times when the Bible says word, oh, the person received a word from the Lord. It's not talking about the Bible. It's talking about a direct connection with God. So yeah. all of that to say, um, yes, I do not think most Christians are in danger of that at all. I think a small yes. subset of Christians are in danger of that from my mm-hmm. perspective and experience. I think the majority of Christians are in danger of something else, which is being unaware of the things that God is saying in a way that they can be tricked and duped mm-hmm. by the devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, I think maybe a, a word of caution for maybe some people listening, like, the limit test is like what you said is mm-hmm. your devotion to the word of God. Does that produce a transformed life in the way that you reach and interact with people as well? Like, so is good. it, is it transforming you in your mind, in your family? Do people see that? Um, so good. And, and I feel like sometimes like I've heard it before, like, man, you, you like your Bible way too much um, can be a defense for the insecurity of the person saying it though, too. Like, oh, you're so right. You're so yeah. right. I was I was in a pastor's hang one time. We were talking about theology, and somebody was like, "My theology is I want people to get saved." And I'm like, "Okay, don't hit those two things against each other. Like, it's not <laughs> like you can only love your wife or your kids. Like, that's ridiculous. You can clearly, strongly desire." Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, like that. That's you're making in a you're making a, a choice between two things that don't need to be separate choices. Yeah, it's, a false, yeah. it's a false dichotomy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh man. Don't even give me with those. I had a nice conversation with a Christian universalist. Um, that was just, all they were doing is proposing false dichotomies to me. And I'm like, you're, you're leaving out option C anyways. Well, like, I'll uh, dude, this dude, syncretists are wild, man. Hmm. The yeah. amount of the amount of intellectual judo you have to be comfortable with to get there. Come on. Yep. It's nuts. It's nuts. It makes me sad. Yeah. It makes me yeah. sad. I can't wait for the uh hot take episode on hell and eternity. I don't know how I need to get for that one, but if you have any recommendations, let me know. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, I was just looking at a guy uh, on Twitter yesterday who made a a comic that said a person was saying to Jesus, I want to be like you. And Jesus was saying, you be like you. That's how you be like me. And I'm like, that isn't the teaching of Jesus. That isn't what Jesus said. Oof. That is ridiculous. But that's, that's the Jesus people want in 2023. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, 
that is an example of when Jesus said, many will yeah. come in my name. People are saying, yes. the, yeah, they're putting the name of Jesus over yeah. top of something that is the opposite yeah. of what he taught. Yeah, man, it's going to pull a, pull a hamstring with that type of gymnastics, but <sighs> okay. So to kind of close this out, um, wanting to ask some questions, maybe more from a 30,000 foot view, like a pastoral lens. If you're listening to this, like, okay, that's all good, like deep dive on specific topics, but let's zoom out for a bit. So if you were to zoom out and give a 30,000 foot level answer to why is it important to read and study the whole Bible, what would it be? Yeah, because um, God took the time to inspire all of it and to inspire people to compile all of it. And so it's all there for a reason and for a purpose. It's all a part mm -hmm. of the story. And yeah. mostly what people abandon is the negative parts and the gospel can't be as clear and stunning as it is unless we are as awful as we actually are. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. That was good. Um, the second question would be is, um, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm like, a am a, I call it what it is. I'm a feeling based guy. Like I like emotions. Maybe that's why I'm at an AG church, you know, let's go. Um, <laughs> but, um, what is beautiful about reading the whole story of God? And I use the word beautiful on purpose. Like what about it to you is just beautiful about reading the whole story. Oh, cause it's ancient. And because, uh, people for thousands of years have been reading it and coming to the same conclusions that, that we are. And, uh, I had three pages of church father quotes on Ezekiel 11 in my Bible study last week. And I was just so blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, like this guy was writing this 1700 years ago. Yeah. And he was like, the Holy Spirit is for everyone who follows Christ and blah, blah, blah. And I, just, I was just like, this is amazing. Like it's, we are a part of like an, an ancient chain and it's it's so awesome yeah yeah and i i uh, copy and paste that i just think that the the beauty of scripture to me is that the deeper i dive into this the um yeah i feel like the simpler it gets in the sense That's of true. some people might like argue with me on that but i'm not saying like you can wrestle through tough conversations. You can wrestle through tough theological stances. And yeah, you can go through all of that. But for me, the more I see scripture for what it is and read the entire story, I'm just like, man, it's, I have overcomplicated this to the 10th degree. And I just get to like read and just enjoy and just to be able to read the very, like, as you referenced earlier, this this note that god gave to me even though it may not be directly to and it is for and i just said Absolutely. my name so we're, so we're gonna bleep that out so oh that'll be um, so funny because god will be saying even though it isn't to bleep it'll be for <laughs> office theology is what it'll say but that's good is that an original thought because that's brilliant i'm gonna I write think so down. but i have ingested a lot of content over my years of being a christian that's so cool. might have it's it really might have come out. And so, and so for me, it's just like, uh, 
man, it just comes back to the simple joy of that this is a lot less of a burden than I make it out to be. And I, I feel like sometimes that's where my, my soul can get sick is when I'm like, I don't want to engage with God's word because it feels burdensome. And it's only burdensome because I have sin nature still within me. And so I think that's the beauty of the story of God is it really removes me from the central figure of the Bible. And I actually get to see it for who it is and the character of God and the love of God and the mercy of God and how that studying the word leads us to the fullness that Christ promised. Amen. So, hmm, Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. Um, what would you say to the person listening that struggles with engaging with the word? Um, I would just pick a, pick a discipline level. So like, I'm going to read a chapter every day and I would, uh, pick a simpler book and read through it 10 or 20 times. Um, and then secondarily, I would find a verse by verse teacher that you really engage with and resonate with. And I would just really enjoy doing that. I really just enjoy listening to that person and, and, and hearing about it and, and learning. And I would write, I would take notes and write in your Bible. And I would think about if you're currently on a trajectory to have really studied through the whole Bible in your lifetime. And if the answer is no, then maybe it would be really exciting and fun to get on that trajectory. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think, uh, I think a lot of the mindset I would say to this individual is if it's shame driven, that's not going to last long. Yeah, I should be, I should be engaging with the word. I should be doing this. I'm a Christian. I should like, no, like only thing I say that about is, about is I should pay my bills. You know, I need to pay my, so it's like, I should pay those. That's not very inspiring, but I would say, um, I know it's maybe a little gimmicky, but like, it's kind of going back to our last question, the beauty of reading the whole story of God, like you get to know the character and the goodness and the faithfulness of God, like allow that to be the pole, allow that to be the draw um, to scripture. And like you said, it hit the nail on the head. Um, so good. in terms of fitness, I'm going to work out two hours a day, eat super clean. No, just stop being less dessert for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like take just start where you're at and just take steps from there and yeah, watch how God honors and faithful is faithful to that. So good, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, thank you. Um, that's all I got. Um, but I appreciate, appreciate you taking the time and your busy schedule and what you got going on in life. Uh, thanks for having time. Thanks yeah, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, Landon McDonald is not, is not office theology. Correct. But also make sure you go to Theos U and check out his, um, his course. You have a couple on there. Minor Profits as well. Shout out. Um, and so what I will be doing as well is I'm going to be giving away a three month subscription to Theosu. Let's go. I will put some details in the comments or the, the description below, as well as on social media. So make sure you enter that to win and to listen to more of Landon's beautiful, calming voice. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Appreciate it, bro.